0: Yesterday marked 20 years since that fateful Tuesday morning, September 11th, 2001, where some terrorists decided to hijack some airplanes to crash them into prominent buildings to take the lives of innocent people. And it really was one of those events. Like I remember my grandparents and my mom even talking about uh, what it was like watching the news when they found out that JFK or Dr. King had been assassinated, how it's one of those moments where you remember exactly where you were, exactly what you were doing. You remember exactly what was happening. And it was that kind of moment for me. I remember arriving to work that morning and all of my coworkers being in the break room staring at the TV and I walk in and I'm trying to figure out what's happening. I walk in and I'm trying to figure out what's going on because I don't watch the news. I don't I don't listen to the radio, stuff like that. I try to listen to music. Uh, when I'm in the car, because it relaxes my mind or I'll listen to my Bible or something like that. That's that's always kind of been a habit of mine. And so I get to work and all of my coworkers are in the break room and they're staring at the TV. And I'm like, what's happening? And they're like, this plane crashed into the World Trade Center. And I'm like, was it an accident? Do we know what's going on? And, and right as I'm asking that question, the second plane hit the second tower and everyone quickly realized that this was not an accident. And there are two things that really stick out to me from that day. Two things that that have kind of been ingrained in my mind, if you will, from that from that day, from that series of events. One is just that the image of of people who. Rather than than face the heat or the flames. Decided that they were going to jump out of those buildings and just kind of watching that and being stunned and almost in disbelief. By that. The other thing that has always stuck with me, though, is how galvanized we were as a country, how galvanized we were as a people because of that. I mean, there were people who were walking through the doors of their churches, walking through the doors of a church that they had never been in just to pray together. There were people who, as they were going through the rubble, as they were going through all the carnage, just trying to see, are there any survivors? Is there anyone that we could help? And they're covered in dust and dirt And you couldn't tell, is this a black person, a white person, a Native American person, an Asian person? Like you really couldn't distinguish people. Everyone looked the same. Everyone kind of looked like the gray dust and dirt that was left in the rubble there. And I remember just over that time thinking like, I can't believe this has happened. Like, how could this happen to us? And I also remember over that time thinking. It's amazing how close we are right now, and I hope we never lose this. See as tragic as that attack was as tragic as those events were and and as many lives that we lost as many people who were still left broken and hurting and sick families destroyed all of that stuff. There was another side of that that brought us closer together as a country because now we had we had a, a common enemy. Now we had a common purpose. We had a common, a common thing that was bringing us all together. We all had a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging. And if we're honest, isn't that really what we all want? Don't we all want to have purpose? Don't we all want to belong to something? We all are searching for this sense of belonging in our lives. We all are searching for this sense of purpose in our lives. And it's sad to me that sometimes it takes a tragedy to get us to that point. I mean, you see families go through this when there's a funeral. You have relatives who don't talk for years and then all of, all of a sudden a loved one dies. And now because of this tragedy, we're brought together and we have this sense of purpose. We have this commonality among us and it, and it gives us a sense of belonging. We feel like we're brought back into the family. And that's what many of us want. That's what many of us seek. That's what many of you are seeking Right now, you want this sense of purpose, this sense of belonging. As a matter of fact, some of you are with Seven Cities Church because you felt like you had no purpose and no belonging where you were. And you came here and now you feel empowered. You feel like you have a purpose. You feel like you belong. You feel like this is family for you. And I'm thankful for that. We're thankful for that. We're glad that you are here. But many of us are seeking that sense of purpose, that sense of belonging. That's why we jump from hobby to hobby. That's why we bounce from job to job. That's why we go from relationship to relationship and from marriage to marriage, because we're seeking belonging. We're seeking purpose. We want to belong. We want to know that our lives mean something. We want to know that they count for something. We want to be happy, but we also want fulfillment that only comes when we feel like we truly belong. And my prayer for us as a nation today is that as we look back on the events of September 11, 2001, as we look back on the tragedy that took place, that we won't just remember the tragedy. We won't just shed a tear and move on with life, but we will remember how galvanized, how united we were after the fact. And we'll walk forward in that in that sense of unity and that sense of purpose and that sense of we have a common thing here. We are all in this together. Let's love one another. Let's protect one another. Let's mourn and weep together. But let's also rejoice together. Let's celebrate one another's victories and let's cry when we're hurting together. That's my prayer for us as a nation. But what about us as individuals? What about us as a church? Where is it that you are looking for to find your sense of belonging? Today, I want to talk to you about, a five, about five letters, in a sense, five letters that form two separate words, just Depending on where you place one of the letters, but I want to talk to you about these five letters today and talk to you about what it means to be separated, but then also to be made a part of something to be brought in to something. Those five letters are a P a R T you put them all together and you have a part that means you're separated, you're disconnected, you're not belonging to, but if you separate the a and the P now you are a part. You belong to something. You're a part of something. You have purpose. There's meaning there. And that's really what we are all are going after. I want to tell you a story from scripture today about a man who we would look at and say that this man has everything that we would all want. He's rich. He has a good job. He has all of the things that human nature looks at and says that, hey, we want those things. But this man felt apart. He felt separated. He felt disconnected. He felt like he did not belong. Until he met the one who makes us all belong when he calls us his own. We're going to be reading from the book of Luke today, chapter 19. If you want to read along with me, the verses are going to be on the screen as we talk about a man named Zacchaeus. And scripture has some some key things to tell us about this man Zacchaeus. As we learn how to go from being apart, being separated, being removed from being disconnected to being a part, belonging to something, having purpose, having meaning, our lives being fulfilled as we belong to the body. Of Christ. Before we dive into this though, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this day, Lord. I'm thankful for your word. I thank you that your word breaks the yoke of bondage, that your word will set captives free, that your anointing is here. Father God, I pray that you would fill me with your spirit, that the words that I speak would be your words, that your, your words would flow through me, that your spirit would flow through me, that our hearts would be ready to receive your word today. As we talk about what it means to go from being separated from you, separated from your family. To becoming a part of your family and your kingdom, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be present with us as we study your word today and you'd be glorified in it, Lord Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Luke chapter 19, verse one, and it says he entered Jericho and was passing through and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich and he was seeking to see who, who Jesus was. Into And to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. So we have this man here, Zacchaeus, and I want to share four things with you that I see in this story about Zacchaeus, is we go from this process of being apart, being separated, being disconnected from to being a part, a part of something meaningful, having purpose, being connected to and brought into, grafted into the family of God. And the first thing is, is this. We start out apart. We start out separated. We start out disconnected from. In fact, we are all born into sin and because we are born into sin, we are separated from the family of God. Look back at verse two. It says this. It says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Now, Zacchaeus found himself separated from his own people. Why? Because he was a tax collector and the tax collectors in that time. The Jewish people were, were under Roman occupation and the Romans established governors and they established tax collectors. And these tax collectors would go around to their own people and collect monies that they would then give back to the Roman Government. They would keep some of these monies for themselves. So it was well known that tax collectors would often defraud people. They would often charge too much because they wanted to make sure that Rome got was theirs, what was theirs. But they also wanted to have some for themselves. So Zacchaeus was hated because of his occupation. He was hated because of what he did. He was a chief tax collector in his town. And because of that, the people, they ridiculed him. They wanted nothing to do with him. They considered him worse than a sinner. He was against his own people in their minds. And so here you have Jesus coming through Jericho that day. Jesus was just passing through. Let me tell you something, y'all. Jesus is never just passing through. If Jesus shows up, he's there for a purpose and he's here for you today for a purpose. He, the last verse in this passage says that he came to seek and save those who are lost. If you are lost, his purpose in being here is for you. He leaves the ninety nine that are found to, to find the one that is lost. He is here for you. Jesus is never just passing through. And if you are listening, if you are here today, if you're tuned in today, this is a divine appointment. You're here on purpose and for a purpose. And that purpose name is Jesus. And you can meet him today. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit, but you have to understand that right now you are apart. You are separated from, you are disconnected from the family of God because of sin where God is. Sin cannot, being and because we're born into sin, we're born spiritually separated from God, but through the blood of Jesus, because of Jesus finished work on the cross, because he died in your place, because he took on your sin, allowed it to be nailed with his body to the cross. And he defeated it when he rose from the grave. Because of that, you can go from being separated from to being made a part of the family of God. Zacchaeus in his town was a man who was separated he had things that we would look at and say that would make you happy, right? He was rich. He was a chief tax collector. He had a steady income and a good job. But Zacchaeus was separated. He was seeking something more. And that brings us to the second thing. And it's this. Those who are apart, those who are separated are seeking for something. Look at verse three. It says, and he talking about Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. Was Now, I'm sure Zacchaeus, because he was a tax collector and because he had connections with the Roman government and he had connections with people, he had heard about this man named Jesus, this man who was going around casting out demons, this man who was going around and healing the sick, this man who was restoring sight to the blind, this man who was having people with withered limbs grow back All through the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm sure Zacchaeus heard about Jesus and he knew Jesus was going to be passing through Jericho that day. So he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He was seeking Jesus because even though he had material things, he was separated. He was apart. And because he was apart, his life had no purpose. It had no meaning. And he was searching for belonging. And his hope was that in Jesus, I will find this belonging that I'm looking for. And some of you find yourselves in that place today where you are searching for something, where you are looking for something and you come across these things in life that lead you to one place. For some of you, that's why you drink the way that you do. For some of you, that's why you're addicted to things that you're addicted to is because you're searching for something. You're seeking for something. You live this life that has you feeling separated. You're disconnected. You're apart. And because you're living an apart life, you are seeking and searching for something to fill this void. And for some of you, that filler is drugs. For some of you, it's alcohol. For for some of you, it's sex and pornography. For some of you, it's possessions. For some of you, it's your job. Some of you have idolized your wife or your husband or your kids, and you're seeking to fill this void, this void that's created because you're separated from God. You're seeking to fill that void with other things. But let me tell you, there is only one thing that can ever fill that void, and his name is Jesus. Zacchaeus knew to look, to seek for who Jesus was? Do you know to seek for who Jesus is today? Or will you continue looking to other means to fill the voids in your life? Will you continue looking to other things to fill those empty places? Or will you be like Zacchaeus and seek out Jesus? Now, this passage goes on to talk about how Zacchaeus climbed this sycamore tree. And that's what most of us know Zacchaeus for, because he was a wee little man. Remember, we used to, if you've been around church for a long time, used to sing this song in children's church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And we know Zacchaeus for being small. But what I want you to hear about Zacchaeus, what I want you to know Zacchaeus for today is for being one who seeks to see who Jesus is. See, if you find your place where, yourself in a place where you feel like you're small, where you feel like you're insignificant, if you find yourself in a place where you feel like you don't matter and no one cares, remember, Jesus never just passes through. He comes here today and he's seeking you. Are you seeking him? Will you seek him? Jesus is here for you. You matter to him. Zacchaeus was small in stature, but maybe for you, you're not small in stature, but maybe you feel like you have little value because of who you are. But let me tell you, you have value in Christ. Jesus gave his life for you on the cross. You matter that much to him. You mean that much to him. You have value. You're not insignificant. You're not so small that Jesus doesn't care. Scripture tells us that he has every hair on your head numbered. He knows you. He loves you. He cares for you. He gave himself just for you. Will you seek him today? He's not just passing through, he's here for you. But we learn here that Zacchaeus was seeking Jesus. Zacchaeus was going out looking for Jesus. We talk about the fact that Zacchaeus was small, that he was a small man. But again, you're not insignificant to God, no matter how small. You are. Are you willing to put in the effort to seek Jesus? I believe that's why you're watching this today is because God has called you here to this point, to this moment so that you could hear about how he sent his son to die for your sins so that you can hear that you have value, that you matter to him, that he loves you and that he cares for you. You are not insignificant. He's passing through for you. Will you seek to see who he is? Now, catch this as we read on in the next part. Or understand this, that Jesus is seeking those who are apart. And that's what we were just talking about. Jesus is seeking those who are apart. Verse 10 said, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. This is Jesus that we're talking about coming in to seek and save those who are lost. In fact, at one point in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest field. He had just got done talking about how he was moved with compassion because he saw people as sheep without a shepherd. And church, he wants us to be the church that sees people the same way as sheep without a shepherd. He wants us to be moved with compassion. When we see people that he died for, people that he loves, people that he cares about, he wants us to be moved with compassion for those very same people. But look at what the people did when they saw or Jesus came through. And if we pick up in verse five, it says, and when Jesus came to the place where Zacchaeus was up in that tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus is telling Zacchaeus, I want to dwell with you. I want to be your refuge. Come down out of that tree. I know you're up in that tree because you're small in stature and you think that's the only way you can get to me. But come on down, because guess what? I'm coming to you. And you may be watching this today and think that there's no way for you to get to Jesus. But guess what? Jesus will come to you. He will meet you right where you are. He's not going to leave you the way that he found you, but he will meet you right where You are. You don't have to change to come to Jesus. You don't have to be sin free to come to Jesus. You don't have to stop doing what you've been doing to come to Jesus. He will meet you right where you are. There's this post that's been going around on social media lately that talks about, you know, what if you're the person who went out last night and got drunk? come sit in church with me. I have a seat for you. If you're the person who just admitted to your spouse that you had an affair, come sit next to me. I have a seat for you in church. Let me tell you, that's the kind of church that we need to be the church that says, you know what? Come on in with your sins. Come on in with your shame. Come on in with your faults. Put all of it at the foot of the cross. Lay all of it on Jesus because he already paid the price for it. You don't have to leave here the way that you came, but come. We want you to come. Don't be the type of church. Don't be the type of Christian that is fearful that somebody else's sin is going to taint you. And so you separate yourself from the world. You know, as I think back to September 11th, and I mentioned this earlier about how when those people were searching, when they were digging through rubble, you couldn't tell who was who. You also couldn't tell what that person had done the night before. You couldn't tell what sin or what shame they carried in their life. No one was asking questions about the people who was buried there. No one was asking, you know, are they a sinner? Was that a prostitute? Is this person addicted to pornography? I'm not going to search for someone that's a drunkard. I'm not going to search for someone that's addicted to drugs. Nobody cared because the purpose was seeking and saving those who was lost and church. That's what we need to do. We need to stop thinking about the labels that people have on them. We need to stop thinking about the sin that's attached to their life. We need to seek and save those who are lost because that's what our savior came here to do. And if we're going to call ourselves Christian, if we're going to call ourselves Christ, like if we're going to call ourselves disciples, we need to do what he came to do. He came to seek and to save those who was lost. Jesus is seeking those who are apart. He's seeking the ones who are separated. He's seeking the ones who are disconnected. Jesus said that the well, the healthy don't need a physician. It's the sick that need one. And our job as a church, our mission as a church is to guide people to life in Christ. That means that we find those who are lost, that we find those who are broken. We find those who are sinful, who are dirty, who are sick, those who need a physician and we guide them to life in him. Jesus came to seek those who are separated, those who are disconnected and bring them into the family of God. He said to Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house. Jesus is saying, Zacchaeus, I want to dwell with you. And Jesus Jesus is saying the same thing to you today, no matter where you find yourself. If you just stepped outside out of a strip club, if you just pulled a drug needle out of your arm, if you just put down your 12th bottle of Bud Light, Jesus is saying, come down. I want to speak with you. I want to stay with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to be your refuge. And will you respond like Zacchaeus? Will you come down? Will you come down and meet Jesus when he calls to you? Will you step into the place that Jesus is calling you to where he says, come down? I want to dwell with you today. Will you respond the way Zacchaeus did when it says that he hurried and came down and received him joyfully? Now, the people, when they saw it, they grumbled. They grumbled. They were angry. They said, who is this? This Jesus man who's supposed to be a prophet, this Jesus man who's supposed to be a saint or the Messiah. He's supposed to be holy, yet he's associating with a sinner. He's out here with a tax collector. And again, church, let me say this to you. Let us be the church that lives and acts like Jesus. Let us be the church who says, I don't care what you do in your life. You can come to church with me. You can come sit with me. Let me guide you to life in Christ because I know the depravity of sin. I know what God has brought me from. I know what he had to remove from my life. So it doesn't matter to me what you're doing. What matters to me is the one that I know that I can introduce you to who can change your life, who can remove those things, who can take away those burdens, those that brokenness, those temptations. He can take all away and break those chains of bondage. He can set you free. Let's be the church that introduces people to Jesus, that guides them to life in Christ. That's who we're called to be. Seven cities church. That's what you stepped into when you said, I want to be a part of this. You stepped into guiding people to life in Christ. Jesus came to seek those who are separated. The Son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. That is our mission is to seek and save the lost. We value reaching people, but we don't just want to reach them. We also value growing people. We want to help them grow. Let's be the church that reaches the hurting. Let's be the church that reaches the lost. Let's not be a country club that just says us four and no more, or you got to look like this and talk like this and act like this, or you're not welcome. Let's be the church that says all are welcome. Because Jesus welcomes all. Remember, Jesus doesn't just pass through. He's here to seek and save the lost. He does it on purpose and for purpose. There's intentionality. And he has put us here strategically in the seven cities to reach the lost and the broken. That's why we have city homes and we want to have a city home in each of the seven cities, multiple ones in each of the seven cities, because we believe you can't reach a city that you're not connected to. And so we want people placed strategically in each city to reach the lost and the broken around them. These aren't social clubs. These are hubs where people can go be guided to life in Christ, be equipped to be ministers in their community, and then they can go out and reach the people around them. I would encourage you if you're not in a city home to get into a city home so that you can learn, so that you can be encouraged, you can be rejuvenated, but you can also have people where you can learn to go and be ministers in your community, in your workplace, in your school, wherever you may be. And young people, this does not exclude you. I don't care if you're 8 or 13 or 18 or 22, God wants to use you right where you are. Will you submit to him and submit to the work that he wants to do in you and through you? Because he can reach your friends through you. You can be the person that Jesus uses to reach somebody else. If you'll just submit to that, because again, he came to seek and save the lost. And just because you're eight doesn't mean you don't have lost people around you. Just because you're 13 doesn't mean that the people you know aren't On their way to hell right now, you can reach them and Jesus can save them and he can use you as a part of it. And you get to rejoice when they step into a relationship with him because Jesus is here to seek those who are apart. The fourth thing that I want to point out to you from this text is this repentance takes those who are apart and makes them a part. Repentance takes those who are separated, who are disconnected, who are apart from God and makes them a part of his family. Look at verse eight. It says Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And I, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save The loss. What was Zacchaeus doing here when he said half of all of my goods I've given away? He was saying, I have changed. My heart has changed. He's saying that I used to walk this way. I was defrauding people. I was stealing from the poor. I was being greedy. He's saying, but I've turned. I've made a change. Now I'm walking this way and I'm giving half of my goods to the poor and I'm paying back everyone I've defrauded. That turn, that process of turning away is called repentance. And that's what happens in our life. When we come and we say, Jesus, I submit to you, I want you to be Lord of my life. When Jesus says, come down, I wanna dwell with you. And we respond like Zacchaeus and we say, yes, Lord, I want to dwell with you too. Part of that dwelling process is a turning away from what we used to do. It may not happen overnight. Again, if you're that person and you have an addiction in your life or something like that, that change may not happen overnight, but the work of Jesus in you through his Holy Spirit will clean you up. will sanctify you so that you like Zacchaeus will say, I used to walk down this path. I used to cheat on my wife, but I don't do that anymore. I used to be addicted to drugs, but I don't do that anymore. I used to be stuck on alcohol and pornography, but I don't do that anymore. I've turned and now I'm following Jesus. Now I love my wife the way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now I've put down these substances that used to have control over me and I've given control of my life to Jesus. Now I'm following him. I'm being faithful to him. And I'm going out and I'm reaching other people who are living like I used to live. And now I'm guiding them to life in Christ. That's what repentance does. Repentance takes those who are apart, who are separated and makes them a part, a part of the family of God, a part of the purpose of God's kingdom. When you become a part of God's kingdom, you go out and you seek and save those who are lost, just like Jesus did. He works in you and through you to reach those who are lost, who are broken and who are hurting. There's something else in this that I want you to catch. And it's the end of verse nine. Verse nine said, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. And I think Jesus said that last part, since he also is a son of Abraham, not talking specifically to Zacchaeus, but for the people around him so that the people around him could hear that. Yeah, I know this is a man that you hate. Yes, I know that this is a man that you think is not worthy. You think he has no value. You think he's worse than a sinner. This is a man that you kicked out of your community. But I'm reminding you that he is chosen. And church, I want you to hear this. No matter what you've done in your life, no matter where you've come from, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter what sins you committed this morning, if you are chosen, if you are handpicked by God, if you are called into his kingdom, Jesus chose you as his own. No one or no thing can take that away from you ever. You're always his son. This idea of the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of the promise. He was the one that God gave the promise to. See, if you go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter three, we have this event called the fall of man where Adam and Eve transgressed God's law. God said, hey, you guys can eat of any tree in the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But Adam and Eve took the fruit of that tree and they ate it. They were disobedient. And because they were disobedient, sin entered the world. If you fast forward to Genesis chapter 12, we are introduced to a man named Abram. And God speaks to this man named Abram and he gives him a promise. He says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And the seed, the seed that is going to save the world will come through you. You're going to be my chosen. Your people, your offspring will be my chosen people. God made a covenant with Abraham for his chosen people. But see, when God was saying your chosen people, what he was really talking about, yes, the children of Israel were chosen. Yes, they were God's people. They were protected. It's because the seed that became Jesus was gonna come through that lineage. And Jesus is the one who makes us chosen. He's the one who grasps us into that family, into God's chosen people. So what he's really saying here to Zacchaeus is, You're chosen. And when he stands before you, when he gives you his gift of salvation, when you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, telling you, hey, it's time to repent. It's time to turn away from when you feel that happening in you, what Jesus is saying to you in that moment is come down. I want to dwell with you because I have chosen you. You're chosen. And he didn't say Zacchaeus, you don't stop being a tax collector and then come back. He didn't tell Zacchaeus to do the things that Zacchaeus had already done and in giving to the poor and paying back those he defrauded. Jesus didn't say any of that. Jesus didn't even know that. I mean, he may have known that because he was fully God and fully man. But Jesus didn't ask that when he told Zacchaeus to come out of that tree. Jesus didn't say come down if you've given back to the people you defrauded. He didn't say come down if you're giving away half of your goods to the poor. He said, the key has come down. I want to dwell with you. I want, to, I want to spend time with you. And then he said today salvation has come to your house. He didn't say clean up your act first. No, today salvation has come to your house. And he sent me here today to tell you that no matter where you are, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what you're doing or have done, salvation is for you. It is for you. You can receive his gift of salvation. You don't have to clean yourself up first. The thing that you do is you come to Jesus, you come down out of that tree, you come down off of whatever it is that you've tried to use to fill the void in your life. You come down off of that. You get before Jesus. You lay those things at the foot of the cross. You allow them to be covered in his blood that paid the price for your sin. And then you turn and you follow him. And you may be like, Pastor Jay, I hear you, but but I don't really even know what I'm supposed to do and or how this works. And the way this works is this. If you feel yourself being moved by the Holy Spirit. If you you are that person and you know what I'm talking about, where there's some sin in your life or there's something that has separated you from the family of God and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging you, pulling you back, saying today is the day, then what you need to do is you need to submit to the Holy Spirit pulling on. You need to submit to him, giving you the faith to believe. You have to believe that Jesus is the Savior, that he's the way, the truth, and and the life, and that the only way to the Father is through him. You have to believe that. You have to believe that he died for your sins on that cross, but you also have to believe that he rose victoriously three days later, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And because of all of that, because he lived a perfect, sinless life, and he died a death in your place, a death he did not deserve, and he rose victoriously three days later because of all of that, he offers salvation to you. And all you have to do is freely receive it. Remember, Jesus, the son of man, came to seek and save those who are lost. You may be lost, but you don't have to stay lost. You can be found in Christ today. And if that's you, I want you in just a moment to just pray with me. And it's not the words that I'm going to say that are going to save you. It's the Holy Spirit giving you the faith to believe you believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead and confessing with your mouth. Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that your father through his Holy Spirit raised you from the dead and you are victorious. And now I submit my life to you. If you do those things, Scripture says that you will be saved. If you don't do those things, Scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you can choose death or you can choose life. Jesus is offering you life. And that's what he was offering to Zacchaeus that day. And in Zacchaeus, we saw a man who was separated. He was apart because of his work. People looked down on him. He thought he had no value. They thought he had no value. But then Jesus passing through Jericho one day says to Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I want to dwell with you. I want to be with you. Today and Zacchaeus responded, he responded. He came down right away and he said to Jesus, I've given to the poor. I've paid back those that I've defrauded. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because you're chosen. You're chosen. And I say to you, church, you are chosen and you can have salvation. If you already have salvation, but you've been living apart from God, not connected to the vine, not abiding in his word and his word abiding in you. You can be connected to him again today. You can be reconnected or you can restore that connection so that you can have the connection that you seek, the belonging and the purpose that you're seeking. You can have the unity in Christ, the unity with Christ that you are seeking. And if you're that person who's never trusted Jesus as your Lord and savior, today is the day that you can enter into a relationship with him. Like Zacchaeus, all you have to do is respond. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your church. I thank you for each and every person that hears my voice. And Lord, I pray that if there's someone who hears my voice right now and they don't know you, they've never received your gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that today is the day for them, that through your Holy Spirit, you give them the faith to believe and not only would they believe, Lord, but they will respond. They will respond to your spirit. They would respond to your spirit, drawing them to you, Jesus. You said if you'd be lifted up, you would draw men to yourself. And so I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. If you're that person and you never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you feel right now the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart, you feel him drawing you to the foot of the cross. I want you to just say a simple prayer with me right now. All you have to say is, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that you are the Savior. I believe that you lived a perfect sinless life. I believe that you died a death in my place, a death you did not deserve to pay for my sin. And I believe that you rose from the grave victoriously three days later. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. I want to turn away from all the things that I've been following, all the things that I've been using to fill the voids in my life. And I want to turn to you. I want to go from being separated to being a part of your family. And Jesus, I know that you are the only way that you are the only one who can do this for me. And so now I ask you do this for me, Lord. Bring me into your family, I pray in Jesus name. And if you are a person who you're like, Jay, I've walked with God for years, but I feel separated. I feel disconnected. I feel like my life has really no purpose and no meaning. And I don't really know what I'm missing. I can tell you what you're missing. You're missing a real relationship with Jesus. We get so stuck sometimes in this, in this idea that it's a prayer that saves us. And so we pray this prayer, And then we disconnect from God. We pray this prayer and maybe we have a fire that burns for a little while. And then we allow that fire to burn out because we don't do the things daily that are necessary to remain in him. Jesus said, abide in my word and my my word will abide in you. Are you abiding in his word? Are you spending time in his word? Are you praying? Are you having conversation with him? Not just grocery listing things, but are you praying? Are you seeking his face? It said that, that Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was? Are you seeking to see who Jesus is? Are you seeking him? Are you pursuing him? Are you going after him? Or did you just pray a prayer a few years ago and and do a couple little churchy things every now and then? and think that makes you okay, but it doesn't. And that's why you feel the void. That's why you feel lost. That's why you feel disconnected. And I want to challenge you and encourage you today. Connect to Jesus. Connect to his word, connect to his people. Let him fill that void in your life. Let him give you the purpose and the meaning that you were created for. You will never find that apart from Jesus. You won't find it in your job. You won't find it in your family. You won't find it in your hobbies. But we bounce around from thing to thing to thing, looking for purpose, looking for meaning that we were designed and created to get by following Jesus. Are you following him? Are you seeking him? Are you pursuing him? And are you doing the things that he's called you to do? Are you spending time in his word? Are you spending time with his people? Are you telling other people about him? When you do those things, you will find purpose. You will find meaning and you will find the hope. And those voids in your life will be filled. And it can only be done by Jesus through the power of his Holy Spirit working in you and through you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your church. Thank you for this day. Thank you that this is the day that you've made and we can rejoice and be glad in it, Lord. I thank you for your people. I pray that through your Holy Spirit that you would minister to each and every one of us right where we are and that we would glorify you and praise you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Church, I love you.